Welcome everyone, I'm Sam Sebastian and you're listening to How Are You Doing Really? And in today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Rebecca Blondell, the founder of Mokushi. Um, correct me if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, Rebecca. You said it right. Okay, good. <laughs> I want to make sure. Yeah. Mokushi refers to the natural cycles of motion inherent in our surroundings and especially our own bodies. After all, you and I are as much a part of nature as anything on earth. I offer more than bodywork. This is a journey of health, well-being, awakening, and transformation. My mission is to help you achieve the infinite potential within yourself. I will help you become more mindful, more present, fitter, stronger, and more relaxed. I will be your teacher and your guide and will heal, rejuvenate, and uplift when you need it. In addition to all of those wonderful things, um, I, I know Rebecca from going into a barbershop that she actually works for in San Francisco called Fellow Barber. And yeah, it's it's been just really like, I don't even know how many years, it's, it's been a while. Um, I want to say at least over five years, um, longer than that, that I'm, that I've known you from going into the shop. And then also just the intersections of the, um, the other practices that you and I, um, study and are practitioners of and, and teach. Um, and, and one of the things that, uh, you do specifically is kundalini yoga and meditation, which I've I've had like introductions to, but I've never fully like immersed myself into a kundalini yoga practice. And I just I I remember having a conversation with you one time where you were talking about uh, this experience of one of your teachers who really just like knew how to bring you and and the other students into the space, into the room, into their bodies, um, into presence. And the, I, I remember the topic that you mentioned was, um, them, them bringing death, the, um, the concept of, of death into the space and, and just how that like can often be, um, just, kind of glossed over a lot of uh, the new agey um, languaging around yoga is love and light, which that is very much a part of um, the practice. And there's, there's so much more as you and I both know. Um, but yeah, I, I want to start out by saying or, or asking rather uh, the question, how are you doing really today? <laughs> I'm doing really well today. Um, so death is um, death is something that I think about every single day, and just I want to kind of kind of piggy tail on that, just because you brought it up. Um, death is what keeps me motivated and what keeps me really going to pursue each day in a way that if it's lived well, I am okay with leaving and departing today, and so that comes with 
it starts with my morning practice. So this morning I had a two hour morning practice where I sat, where I was breathing, where I was tuning in, where I was reflecting, um, reflecting of what I need for myself and not what I think I need, but what I really need. So I'm doing really well today. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, you know, it, it definitely takes, um, building up i think to to that point to be able to sit for for two hours in that way like i know sitting is something i kind of come and um go in and out of and i I think of meditation as there's so many ways to do it and uh one of the like main ways that i i love to meditate is by moving um, whether it's dancing, whether it's giving body work, whether it's just being in the world, walking outside, taking in things in, in a really mindful way. Um, but I, I have really started to turn towards sitting a bit more and, and orienting towards it as I um, am about to start like a contemplative psychology practice and, and studying that in school and like this is going to be a core like element of, of my studies. And yeah, I'm just curious, like how that like arc has been for you where like what, what brought this kind of practice into your life? Well, so I agree with you and I'm, I'm a type A person as well. So sitting for me, just sitting, simply sitting is not necessarily what have worked out in the past. So Kundalini yoga is a very active form of meditation. We're using our bodies to get to the mind. And the mind is just a reflection, really, of what is going on in your life. And so, you know, when when I move and I get into this space, in this full space of awareness, is when 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 everything just becomes so clear. Mm. So the sitting itself, I've I've done some sitting meditation in Thailand and I found it very hard because your mind is just so active. And I also think there is, it's not very natural for the mind to be still. So meditation really is, is just simply holding awareness and is being okay with what is. So even if your mind is going off, being okay with that and just being able to be present with that situation that is meditation and that can be in form of washing dishes, in form of cleaning your apartment, in form of taking a walk outside, right? And so a lot of people are so afraid of the word meditation and, and I can't do this and I'm not strong enough and my mind is just doing all these things. But in all reality, it's just a pure acceptance. It's kind of like I like to compare it to um, a child playing on the playground. And you are observing the child, but you're not telling the child what to do and what to play with. You're simply holding space for that child and you're observing what's going on so that if you need to go in and give some assistance, you can. But the idea is that you're just sitting back and you relax and you just let everything come to you. Yeah, no, I I love that um, example. And, And what comes up for me as you're describing that is I think about like, we all have an inner child, you know, and like this practice can be a way to, to be with our inner child, our younger parts that show up. And 
And oftentimes the the younger parts in, in myself that show up like are the ones that are are maybe a little more uh, reluctant to engage in scary or, or challenging or triggering situations. And um, it's it's been a practice of mine to bring like some support to that part of myself as I notice them show up and and it, again, it, it, it's a huge practice. It, it doesn't just like happen <laughs> overnight. And <laughs> no, and you know, one of the things I noticed, uh, like just as you were like beginning to talk about Kundalini yoga and your practice, you were actually kind of moving a little bit like back and forth. And it just reminded me of my experience of like we, we did a full um, day of it in my yoga teacher training. Um, of, of kundalini practice and, and there was that kind of like rocking back and forth movement as as we were sitting and um i've i've had experiences where i've um had what i've what i call kundalini energy moving through me um and and i actually was moving in that way that you were talking about and, and just to give the listeners an idea so just imagine like sitting cross-legged uh, with your shoulders above your hips and your head kind of reaching upward and then just gently letting your heart come forward and then back and just leaning forward and back and I um yeah I'd love to just hear a little more about kundalini energy and um what what your um yeah experience of it has been yeah, so I try not to focus too much on that. On that, um, I think there's different ways that you can teach Kundalini yoga. Um, for me, the energy is something that comes when you're just able to really be present with what is, and when you're letting go. When you were mentioning the the moving the back and forth, I feel like for me it's a way of fighting gravity and kind mm. of staying upright. And mm-hmm. finding that midline. And when I'm in that midline, I'm also speaking from my center. So like, that's really for me a way of kind of finding it. And it's funny that you noticed it because I do it quite often when I try to be present, like fully present with somebody. Um, as I mentioned before, for me, Kundalini Yoga is really a way of, of observing the mind. And so in our practice, we usually do 40 um, the beginning cycles are 40-day transformational series. And you can join in with as little as three minutes a day to as much as 60 or 90 minutes a day, depending on what you want to do, or like I do sometimes two hours. And it really is comes down to doing 40 days, or then later on in life you can do 90 days, 120 days, however long you want to do it. And you do the same practice every single day. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that it doesn't feel every day the same. And so mm-hmm. when I was in the teacher training in India, one of my teachers said that India is a perfect example of how your mind plays a trick on you. Because she said, you go down into Rishikesh and you see all these cows and all these cars and all these people and all these smells. And one day you go down there and it's so exciting and you see all these cars and it's right. Like I'm sure you've been right. And so it's sort of like one of these very overwhelming, beautiful feelings. And the next day you go down and it aggravates you to the core. Mm. And that is just what Kundalini Yoga shows you. And so 
a big path for me when I teach and I do the practice myself is journaling. And I actually, I'm not a big fan of journaling. It's very hard for me to do it, but it's not about writing a long sentence, rather just give yourself a couple words, just as a reminder. And so one day, and maybe seven days in a row, this meditation feels very exciting, very illuminating, very empowering. And so you feel the energy rising. And then other days it feels very heavy and sad. And, and so, you know, maybe to, a, to an extent, we're going back into that inner child, we're triggering some things. And so energy, everything is energy. There's always energy. But I feel like when we focus too much on that, um, mm-hmm. it kind of takes away from the whole experience. And the experience is just being human. And with being human, having the ability to experience consciousness in the human form. And so that's what I love about Kundalini Yoga because it allows me to really go into a higher state of being while still being in this human body that's mm-hmm. so triggered by um, desires and wants and not needs, but more so wants, right? Because what we need is actually very little. But mm-hmm. what our mind always keeps us telling is that we need so many things, but in all reality, they are wants. And Kundalini Yoga for me is a way to kind of, it's like a mirror. It just kind of mirrors me. And so it's a, it's a little tool for me to navigate through life and, and to, to really stay present with my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I imagine it, it helps you in the practice of just like, um, self-reflection, self-inquiry, like noticing, like what what is my present experience? What are these emotions that are coming up for me? And like, what is that touching inside of me? And yeah. and I, you know, I, I really like. I just appreciate you sharing more about this practice because one, I'm I'm learning more about it as I'm hearing this, and it just. It, it helps me also to see like there's so many different ways of approaching um, this kind of um, practice. I, I, I think like we we find the thing that really resonates with us. Some people it might be Kundalini Yoga. Some people it might be Vinyasa. Some people it might be just um, practicing mindfulness. Some people it might be dancing. It, it can and it can be a blend of of all these different practices. You know. I, th- I just think anything that's really going to help us to cultivate more of a, a mind and body connection uh, will just innately help us to develop more of that connecting with our higher state of consciousness or um, yeah, zooming out. I, I like to think about it as like zooming out to a bigger perspective and so easily as humans as as people you know like we can get so caught up in like our own like problems our own challenges and and it it, if if we're able to kind of like see that recognize it kind of shake shake it out a little bit zoom out see that it's not just like yes in this moment it might be one of the most challenging heaviest things that we're experiencing and there needs to be space and, and tending and time for that to be there. And we also, for me at least, I, I know that it's going to pass. You know, there. this is part of life. These challenges have brought growth, have, have brought healing into my life. And I'm just really appreciative of 
you as a teacher and other teachers that are out there and, and just people like using this as a way of, of living um, and, and being not just this thing we do for two hours a day. It's like, no, this bleeds into our way of being, it bleeds into our way of, of being with each other. Yeah. And you know, it's funny what you said um, about not just the two hours a day, because this is, this is exactly where this whole mind game comes in. If I do notice, for example, that my morning practice was challenging and I go into the world and I, and I have been doing, let's say I have been doing this practice for 20 days and all of a sudden it feels very challenging. And I go into the day and my whole day, I feel like this person is nagging at me and that person is angry. Instead of like looking at that person, maybe also reflect back to me and be like, hold on a minute. But why was my morning practice so heavy for me? Maybe it is me today. And so instead of getting angry or aggravated, take a deep breath, collect mm-hmm. yourself again, and just go out into the world also understanding that it's, that it's you that sets the tone. And a teacher of mine said um, just recently that our mind is like a computer always connecting to the universe, searching for content. And so it's up to you if you're aligning with the negative or with the positive. And if you are, if your computer is in in a negative mode, you keep on downloading negativity from the universe. And universe is such a broad, wide word, but I think you understand, and I hope our listeners do too, And if you're aligning with the negative, you keep on downloading more negative. So when you catch yourself in moments where you feel very um, ungrounded, unstable, it's so important to take that deep breath and really have that reflection and see that with a simple change of attitude, your whole entire future technically can change. Right, because what we do in our present moment is going to have an impact on the future. So we can't change the past, and we can't really change the future. But with the present moment, we have an impact of the outcome. Two hours from now, tomorrow, how I'm sleeping tonight is how I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, just bringing that presence into your daily life. Yeah, yeah. I, I think another maybe way of, of kind of putting what you just shared um, into words is thinking about like the neural pathways that are already like established in our, our brains and in our nervous system. And so if, if we keep going and, and doing these things that are creating the same outcome for us over and over again, of course, we're going to get the same results. And if we're able to kind of disrupt that, um, pathway from going to the place that we know so well that maybe we feel really stuck in and aren't able to see a, a new way forward if we can disrupt it and and yeah come back into presence and make a choice to approach it differently we can start to kind of break some of those patterns and create new neural pathways new possibilities in our lives exactly yeah on that note um there is a an amazing book is called Neurosculpting by Lisa Wimberger for anybody who has an interest in going a little bit deeper. And it's just about overriding negativity with positivity. 
And it can be a simple thing as having a daily mantra, right? Like mantra means mind projection. Whatever you're putting out in this world will come back. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also just curious, like, with, I feel like with, with being a, a teacher of yoga or, or mindfulness, you know, I, this is so much of what I'm doing in my own life. Like what I've, what I, I've had to, to learn and, and to practice. And I think the reason why I've come into this work is because like, I've realized what it can do for me and the importance of sharing that with others. And just wondering, like, what are, what are some of the things that, that you've, you've gone through that you've, you've found these practices to, to like support you? <laughs> so many. <laughs> <laughs> Any, well, maybe something that really stands out, you know, like I'm. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, um, I definitely struggled from depression when I was younger. I struggled from substance abuse and that can be anything, right? It can be smoking cigarettes and, and um, having maybe a glass of alcohol too much and, Mm-hmm. really where this practice came in was just I think for me I got to a point where I realized that this is not how I want to be seen by the world but also not by myself this is not who I want to be mm-hmm. and you know I don't think that we are born this way I think that just life without when we when we don't have enough consciousness and awareness we let life drag us in a direction that is not good for us. And so it's so important for, for whenever we do get to that point of realization that we can take that break, that we can step on that break and say, okay, what are my options here? Mm-hmm. And um, one of my main teachers, he always says, no class is as hard, no 90-minute class is as hard as going through a lifetime of depression, as going through a lifetime of substance abuse. So doing the work, right? If I want to get strong abdominal muscles, I have to go to the gym and I have to do the work. Just by thinking about it, I'm not getting any results. So mm-hmm. our mind is like a muscle. And being able to, to catch yourself in those moments and, you know, I think you go through, or at least for me, I can only speak for myself. I went into, I think my first practice was power yoga. Felt very safe. It's a lot of body. It's, it's you have to be present because you're going into very challenging poses. poses. And then you're moving on to, I think the next one was maybe some Thai Vipassana or something that I was introduced into sitting and that didn't resonate with me because my mind was just so not in the place that I needed to be. So it really is a tasting and a trying out until mm-hmm. you find this one thing. And I remember I was um, in class, in studies to become a chirotonic teacher and chirotonic is um, a modality similar to, um, to, um, to bar and you know so you're using a lot of motion it's very much it's much more round and circular so so i was in this class and we did an ego eradicator which you holding your arms up 60 degree and you're doing a breath of fire and that was it and i said to my teacher what is this and he goes it's kundalini you're gonna look it up when we when you get back he didn't want to get into it 
And I was so intrigued by just that feeling I had after those three minutes that I went back and I looked at it and that took over my studies. So it's interesting how I was on a totally different path and then it just got me in this direction just based on one simple experience. It was a taste where I felt for the first time the real sense of being grounded. Like, you know, if you know, you know what that feels like, right? The moment for the first, like, like unconditional love. You understand the concept, but until you hold that niece of yours the first time in your hand and you understand, really you feel it, that's mm-hmm. when you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think about also these moments that I've, I've had in, in meditation or just even in life where I've been able to just find myself coming back to my breath, using it as a resource for me in, in really challenging moments. You know, it's just like, and, and our bodies naturally do these things on their own, whether we're aware of it or not. And, and when we become aware of it, we can really like use that to our advantage and, and support ourselves because I think just following the body, like really listening, tracking, like what is, what is happening for me in these moments? Like as I'm taking in a deep breath, like I notice my nervous system start to relax, like my body's less rigid, less contracted. Um, and it, it, it just can be very soothing to, to find somatic practices to, to help regulate us and, and challenges and, stressful experiences and anxiety um, induced states. So I, I just really appreciate you you sharing a bit about your experience and how it's helped with your depression and, and past and use of substances. And I also found this, found yoga as a practice through going through sobriety pretty much like I, I had done it before, but not in a way that I had, I was going like six days a week and just found something that I loved. Like it, it took effort to get there. And sometimes even times while I was there, just, it was a challenge to get through, but I always left feeling much better or at least they're no, noticing a shift in, in my um, state of, of being. Absolutely. And, you know, breath, I always say breath creates movement and movement creates breath, right? And that's not just in a physical form, but any sort of stagnation that you have in your body. So even in body work, I mean, we met also, again, in massage school, right, you and I, and when I do body work and a client holds on too much on his breath or her breath, nothing flows, nothing can go. And so when you go into like a knot and it's really painful and you tell your client, take a deep breath and now exhale it all out, all of a sudden the pain sensation is totally different. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that breath is really what creates movement and removes stagnation, right? So in the Eastern in the Eastern studies, we don't look at what's wrong, but we look at what's full, what's alive, and then we send that a lifeness and that current throughout the whole entire system. So really mm-hmm. understanding that breath is that ultimate thing that gets everything rolling. It's like the wheels of life to some extent. 
Yeah, I, I think about um, just being being born, you know, like and and like that that process of coming in and that taking that first breath, you know, and you are, you're like coming into this life. And then I think about death, you know, and it, it, there's that last breath and then boom. Yeah, exactly. And, and with, yeah, with the practices of different cultures around like birth and, and death, I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious about your, your cultures, um, just where you grew up, where you're from and, yeah, how that, how life and death kind of come in to conversations and, and um, maybe rituals around it. Yeah. Any, anything you'd like to share? Well, you know, I'm Swiss and I think the Swiss people don't really have, I think it's different if you go to Nepal or India where there's all these rituals around death and it's a celebration in Switzerland. I think it's, um, I don't find it's, you know, you have the regular cremations or there's a couple of prayers is a very Christian country, but I don't find there is too much, um, awareness in the majority. But, but in, 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 in reality, I don't think anywhere in the world, um, we like to talk about these things, right. In, in a more emotional way, but I think some countries and cultures have more awareness that it's just a regular part of life. And I feel like our cultures are so afraid of death, not understanding that this is just our time to travel. And this is an experience that we have in a, in my opinion, a way bigger lifetime and this is just a fraction that we are in and allowed again to experience in the human form and i think that's just something that we we really also have to appreciate the the possibilities that we can feel and touch and smell and not abuse it but use it Mm -hmm. right because it, it all comes down to balance and appreciating that we have the ability to be in this world in the human form, but then also appreciating to move on to the next chapter. And so I think that when we when we mourn about a loved one, or when we don't want to let go, like our medicine, Western medicine, we do so much to keep ourselves alive when it's maybe technically time to go. And I think when we do those things, it's just, it comes from such a selfish space that we are holding on to these people who might just be better off going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I also like, I, I talked about this in, in the previous episode, just the lack of conversations we have or direct conversations around death or, and dying, you know, it's, we use euphemisms, we use, yeah, other, other ways of describing it versus like just being really honest about it, you know, and, and calling it what it is and not just to be like blatant and, and put it in, in people's faces. It's not what I'm, I'm trying to say. It's, it's more about having like a healthy, honest conversation around it. And, and if there are people that we're trying to keep alive and like, do we know what their wishes are? Like, is this what they wanted? Exactly. Yeah. And where where is that conversation? Has that been had? 
I know it's not something we can all like plan for. We we don't know when it's going to happen, but if I just think if we do have these conversations with our friends, with our loved ones, with ourselves, most importantly with ourselves, it's like we can actually just bring into, I'm hesitant to use the word like manifest, like how we want it to be. Cause I'm, I'm not really trying to say that fully. I, I just think like just knowing what, my for instance my parents like what they want you know what are their wishes what if one dies before the other years before the other like what is what does that look like and and just think we can we can really learn from from people who've who've gotten really close to death like there's almost like this from from the people i know in my life who have who've come close to dying like them having this opportunity to continue to live. And it's like, they don't want to waste it. They don't want to like, let it go by. They, they realize like how important it is to be present and, and to live and, and to appreciate and enjoy as much of it as we can. But it, a- along with that, like enjoyment and appreciation, like we learn to also like appreciate the the challenges that come with life and, I think that's where like the healing can, can really happen. Yeah. You know, what came up for me when you just said this is um, how can we think and talk about death if we can't think and talk about life? If we can't understand or don't want to see what life might be all about, right? And it's a speculation in the end of the day, no, none of us really know the answers. And that's just the beauty of it too, the not knowing is knowing, Right. And so I think the reason why we struggle so much with death is because we we might struggle to really fully live life. Mm. We are afraid to love, we are afraid to lose, we are afraid to be hurt. We right there's all these things so many people that I know they consider life going to work and having an, a certain amount of of money in their bank account. And they might sit at home and watch Netflix and, and that's what they call life. And there's no offense taken to any of this. But then the question is, where is the love coming in? And where is the love for yourself? Where is the self-care? How Are you able to see the beauty that, that surrounds you every single day? You know, mm-hmm. Do you notice the bees? Do you notice the butterflies? And all of those things that really is life. And, and we're just a little fraction of that. And... It's just a continuation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, just what you mentioned reminded me of, of Tantra, you know, and there's, there's so many interpretations of it, um, <laughs> practices of it. And I think about just the, the intersection of spirituality and sexuality and an eros you know life force that that's constantly moving through us and yeah sometimes it has like this sensual sexual energy to it but it also is this like aliveness that you feel that you you're engaging with like your surroundings with the other other living things around you and and also like finding your way to wholeness I, I really like am a firm believer in that's 
that's what I strive for in life is, is to, to come back to, or, or to really, um, bring myself back into a whole, like there's so many ways in which I've compartmentalized parts of myself and, and kind of broken up and some consciously a lot unconsciously. And I, I think just coming back to the practices that we use, that can help us to become aware of what's been happening unconsciously so that we can bring that to consciousness and actively, um, engage with those those things those parts um one of the the things that i I read in the book was this it's about shadows and for for people listening shadows if, if you're not familiar with that term it's it's the the parts that we deem as maybe um bad wrong uh we might be ashamed of of these thoughts or ways of of being that we've either thought about or actually done in our lives. And it's like we we have this bag that we're carrying with us throughout life. And if there's a certain part of ourselves, like the one that likes to go out and party and have a lot of sex, like, oh no, that's that's not good. Like I, I come to this point in my life where I'm like, whoa, that's too much. And I think that's wrong. So I'm just going to put it in a bag and like that's no longer me, you know? But it's we keep carrying this bag with us throughout our lives. And at some point, we have to stop and look because it gets heavy. And, and these things in this bag, they'll come out when we least expect it. <laughs> like Just think about misdirected anger and frustration, you know, like how often have we been somewhere and just gotten so angry at, at the person in front of us or the person next to us because of what they said, the way they looked, you know? And it's so we, we often go to this, like projecting it onto other people when in reality, like you mentioned, like how can we like self-reflect, see what's happening in ourselves and how we're contributing to these things in, in our life. Well, you know, sexuality is also very closely linked to creativity. So it's like, how can I redirect this energy into something productive, into something beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So just changing the energy, the element of it a little bit and tweak it. And instead of, you know, what you, what you mentioned earlier with, with having too much of that, maybe keep some of it. Maybe keep some of that for a specific and special person and mm-hmm. then redirect the rest into something much more productive, into something that really that you can create, something that is a reflection of your heart. And that can be dark and it's beautiful. And, you, and, and so it's as long as we are, as long as we are in a human body, there is always duality. Mm-hmm. I think that's just something we have to realize. The non-duality is just something I feel like for myself, that is achieved in a, you know, you can definitely, but but the human body just gets you. It, it, it's a pull. It's a push and a pull at all times. And duality is there. And that's what makes life so beautiful, right? Without the night, I wouldn't appreciate the sunlight, right? Mm-hmm. If it's constantly 24 hours a day sunny, you wouldn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So the night sinks in, the stars are showing, and then the morning rays come in. And so it's like, ah, oh, it's daytime again. 
And so really being appreciative of all of the emotions that go through you. And that just brings me to a point before we end this at some point, I do want to read a poem if that is okay with you, that just kind of sums up all of this. It will take about three minutes, but just so that you you can calculate that in a little bit. Yes, definitely. And and I just want to say thank you for bringing in that that piece of redirecting the energy. And I think about like anger, you know, it's uh, for me, like I learned not to express it, to, to push it down, to hold it in. And Eventually, I've, I've had multiple experiences in my life where it's just come out, you know, and um, some ways it's been really healthy and other ways it, it's been misdirected and it's hurt me or somebody else. And, and I, I've been introduced to this like idea of creating some sort of ritual for, for this anger to, to like, like I really honor it. You know, and it could be something as simple as like, I give the example of going to the beach and being somewhere on the beach where the waves are crashing and just screaming at the top of your lungs, you know, like just letting it all out and, and really just letting nature kind of <laughs> carry some of that for you, you know, or, or even... I mean, something as simple as like screaming into a pillow, um, punching a punching bag, like finding, like working out, you know, like these are are all all ways that I think we naturally like do and and find. But I I think for some of us who, who haven't really learned how to express our anger in a really healthy way, like that could be one way and then it, you could get really creative you know you you could create a ritual to 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 kind of like work through some of this let some of it out and let it go um so that we're, we're really freeing up our energy uh, for for more and and to see what's around us so i agree Absolutely. And I think anger is just one of those very perfect examples. And it's one of the easier examples. What, what are you doing when somebody, for example, suffers from depression, right? So anger is much easier to control, I find, because it's like, you, it's, it's this very strong element, you can shout something out, and it, it gives you this, this immediate release. But also understanding what those elements are. And I know you are also interested in the five elements and understanding that fire is anger, right? And so fire is a good thing. Like for example, it can warm us if we are if we make a little fire, it can heat our food, it can warm our bodies, right? It can comfort us. But if it's in excess, it, it for example, like a wildfire, it burns down whole communities and it brings disasters and sadness. And so it's the same thing in the body, understanding mm. that everything in this world is five elements. And so we are too. And some people there might, they might be more of a mixture between, I mean, we all have all five elements, but some might be more having a tendency to be more fire, more water and earth. So just understanding the element and then so if we just keep on the track with the with the anger that's a fire element what can i do that's cooling right so so if i want to kind of get something into this whole scenario that brings me down 
So for example, if I have a tendency to be angry, maybe bring some cooling foods into my life, drink some peppermint teas, get some cucumbers into my, into my diet, a cooling breath, like a sitali breath, for example, that we use when we pucker our lips and we curl our tongue and we're taking a deep inhale through our curled tongue and then we're exhaling it through the nose. And you do that for two, three minutes and it just brings you to this very, very point of balance again, right? So it's just kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for in English? Like it just diminishes it a little bit, right? It just makes it a little bit smaller the more you do it. And so, you you know, you have the anger, you have the depression. If earth and water is out of out of, out of uh, balance, it becomes lethargic, it becomes depressed, it becomes somebody who might want to eat a little bit more and chill, sit back and, and watch too much Netflix, right? And so, so really understanding and, and maybe taking a look into those things, Ayurvedic lifestyles, not just the, the, not just the foods of Ayurveda, but also just the, the whole principle of the studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ayurveda means life studies, basically, right? Mm-hmm. study of life yeah i i haven't studied too much um in in ayurveda in ayurveda um i i have um just like a, a little bit of knowledge around that and yeah i think about like um traditional chinese medicine and and there's some similarities i think in, in their approaches and the way that they view um, the elements and how it affects us and yeah i um i think something that i wanted to to ask and invite well two things one i'd, I'd love to hear the poem that you you want to share and and the other i'm just wondering you were you were taking a moment to think of uh, the word in english um to describe like that that feeling or diminishing um and i'd love to hear the word for love in german and um if there's like other words that kind of encompass the different types of love yeah you know in german in the german language love is a word that we use very very conscious it's not like in america um the word love is something that it just comes out in very intimate moments. And I, I find in America, we use it very loosely. Mm. I don't think it's a negative thing, though. In the beginning, I, I had a feeling that it was just too widespread. But that's because I grew up in a way that, that it was just so much more contained. And with my practice and, and my development in life, I realized everything is love, right? So we shouldn't hold on to that term so much. We should give it out much more, but we should also mean it. Mm-hmm. But the word love in, in German is Liebe. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's what you say when you mean, I love you. Um, yeah, so I love you will be Ich liebe dich. And I'm Swiss German, right? I'm, Swiss, I'm from Switzerland, so it will be Iliati. Okay. The whole sentence. But, but in general, you're using more the word I like. Is that is that what you would say kind of describes like I have love for you, I'm not like in love with you? Yes. So you would say to my I would say to my to my niece or to my mom, I would say, I, I really like you a lot. That would be the translation. But the word I love you is something 
that is not that often used. It's usually as I've experienced it living back home. And, and again, I, I moved away when I was 25. Um, but it's more used in relationships. Mm-hmm. That deep love and that commitment to one person. And that's when you would use the word Liebe. Yes. But that's just my experience, right? I mean, <laughs> different experience depending on your social network and your upbringing and all of these beautiful things and that's just what creates our reality in the end of the day right mm-hmm. our surrounding and 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 what we've been taught and what we experience is what we what we perceive as real and that's just also something i feel like we always have to be very mindful of um what is real to us is not necessarily what is real like all feelings are the feelings are real for us, but if they really would be real, we, we all would feel the same way about the same things. Mm-hmm. And so since we are not feelings are just emotions and emo- like emotions are feelings in motion, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a constant come and go and, and it evolves and, 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 and it takes on a new shape and, and so understanding that too. And, and so I think love again, to go back to that, it's just something that's been used very, very, um, not completely, yeah, very, very conscious. Mm-hmm. Conscious, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I gotta Thank be you. honest with you, I don't do much um, of my studies in German anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely started all of this deeper work when I was already in the United States. Um, yeah, but I think we should maybe start with the poem and then that will pretty much bring all of what we talked into one little container. Mm-hmm. And then, right? Do you, are you yeah. up for that? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So I would say all of you guys who are listening, including you, Sam, just maybe close your eyes and sit straight up and just see if you can find a space where your back is not touching the chair. And maybe you want to just take a moment and move your body, rock your body up forward and backward and side to side and just find that center. Rolling your shoulders back and down and reaching with the top of your head towards the heavens and with your pelvis into the chair. Grounding through your feet, feeling earth underneath you. And if it feels good, take a deep breath in and let it all out. And the poem is written by Kim Macmillan. And the title is, As I Began to Love Myself. As I began to love myself, I found that anguish and emotional suffering are only that I was living against my own truth. Today I know this is authenticity. As I began to love myself, I understood how much it can offend somebody if I tried to force my desires on this person. Even though I knew the time was not right and the person was not ready for it, and even though this person was me, today I call it respect. As I began to love myself, I stopped craving for a different life and I could see that everything that surrounded me was inviting me to grow. Today I call it maturity. As I began to love myself, I understood that at any circumstance, I am in the right place, at the right time, and everything happens at the exact right moment, 
so I could be calm. Today I call it self-confidence. As I began to love myself, I quit stealing my own time and I stopped designing huge projects for the future. Today I only do what brings me joy and happiness. Things I love to do and that make my heart cheer. And I do them in my own way and in my own rhythm. Today I call it simplicity. As I began to love myself, I freed myself of anything that is no good for my health. Food, people, things, situations, and everything that drew me down and away from myself. At first I called this attitude a healthy egoism. Today I know it is love of oneself. As I began to love myself, I quit trying to always be right, and ever since I was wrong less of the time. Today I discovered that is modesty. As I began to love myself, I refused to go on living in the past and worrying about the future. Now I only live for the moment where everything is happening. Today I live each day, day by day, and I call it fulfillment. As I began to love myself, I recognized that my mind can disturb me and it can make me sick. But as I connected it to my heart, my mind became a valuable ally. Today I call this connection wisdom of the heart. We no longer need to fear arguments, confrontations, or any kind of problems with ourselves or others. Even stars collide, and now that they're crashing, new worlds are born. Today I know that is life. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Mm. Yeah, I just I had this image of like me being a seed that's been planted and like creating the right environment, the right nutrients, the sun, the water, the conditions necessary for me to grow (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful (laughs) that's very beautiful and you know just always know i think what really and and i've been reading this poem for so many years and it always shows up for me different and that's just really what it is you grow and it's it starts to take on a different voice and and a different you just see different things in it and really realizing that everything that surrounds you is inviting you to grow Right. Mm -hmm. So even the negative and again, like going back and circling back to how we started accepting the negative because it is our teacher. So it is not something that we want to get rid of, but it is something that we actually want to embrace and and, and welcome into our lives. And once you welcome it, it, it starts to become it starts to have a total different you have a, a total different relationship to it once you welcome it. Thank you for just sharing all of your wisdom and and just from your heart and yeah and I, I really hear your your love and care for this work so thank you thank you Sam if people are interested in finding out more about you how can they do that. Well, I have a website, it's uh, www.mukushi.com, 
and you find all the information on there and there's the contacts as well. And I think that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. And Mokushi is M-O-C-U-S-H-I.com. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and, and just... Thank you again for making time and space. I know there's a lot that's been going on in your world and um, just appreciating you a lot. Thank you. Same here. It's beautiful seeing you. Thank you all so much for listening to How Are You Doing Really? If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, You can find the various platforms on my website, as well as additional information about me and the work that I do in this world at samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review on whichever platform you listen to us on. I want to give a special shout out to Dominique Ferraton for helping with the production of this podcast. Additionally, to Nico Holloman for creating the music. If any of you are interested in being a guest on the show, you can reach out to me directly at sam at samsebastian.com. May you all be well. May you be loved. May you be at ease. Until next time.